Hi, everyone, and welcome to the new Selling of Sales podcast. I'm your host, Marty Holmes. Our guest today is Lee Sauls. Lee is a world-renowned sales management specialist, CEO of Sales Architects, and a recognized specialist in sales differentiation. Lee has recently been awarded the Institute for Excellence in Sales 2022 Speaker of the Year Award. He's a featured columnist in the business journals and a media source on sales and sales management. He's a frequently sought keynote speaker at association conferences and meetings and virtual events. He conducts customized workshops on a wide array of sales performance topics. He's a best-selling award-winning author of six books and a member of the SEF advisory board. He is a very busy person. Lee will be sharing his expertise with us today, and we'll also talk about how he works with university sales students at many of the universities that are teaching professional sales. I'm excited to have you as our guest, and welcome, Lee. Thank you, Marty. Wonderful to be here and wonderful to be a part of your board. Oh, thank you so much. You know, we, uh, we couldn't do what we do without our advisors. Um, you keep us going in the right direction and let us know when we're jumping off the tracks. So, uh, so thank you again. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I just want to jump right in because uh, you've written a couple of books on the subject of sales differentiation. So let's talk a little bit about what sparked your interest in that particular topic. Ah, okay. So I'm 53 years old, Marty. So we're going to turn back the clock to 1986. Remember the show, The Golden Girls? Oh, very well. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> You ready? Yes. Picture it. 1986, Marlboro, New Jersey. A high school kid needs a summer job, meaning me. And a family friend has this revolutionary business idea. I mean, this is unheard of in 1986. Pickup and delivery dry cleaning. So this friend of ours, Dave, had this idea. He didn't own a dry cleaning store. <laughs> he just said, you know, I think people find it to be a hardship to take their dirty clothes, transport them to the dry cleaner, and then pick them up in their clean and, and bring them back. So he said, I think there's a business here. So my summer job in 1986, Marty, I was his driver and part-time salesperson. And I wondered, would people be willing to pay more to have this service? Because he don't, didn't own a dry cleaning store, so it wasn't like he could offer a discount on the cleaning. It was a cost on top. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Marty? you think people were willing to pay more for that? Uh, yes. The answer was some people, not everyone. Oh, well, of course. Yeah. So in, I lived in Marlboro, New Jersey at the time, which is central New Jersey, about equidistant to Manhattan or to Philadelphia. And a lot of people from Marlboro commute to one of those cities every day you know, for, for work. And in 1986, they didn't dress like, like I am in a golf shirt. They wore business attire, business mm -hmm. suits. Mm -hmm. And those who had those commutes dressed for work and didn't have someone at home that could help take the dry cleaning to and fro thought the idea was brilliant. Mm -hmm. They wish they had come up with the idea, but those who work locally didn't get dressed up for work or had someone at home that, that could help out with that. Right. Thought we were nuts. Why would anybody ever pay for that type of a service? So at a very young age, I developed clarity around some very important concepts. And one was understanding who will perceive meaningful value in what you're selling? And I developed this approach around a target client. 
you've probably heard the expression ideal client. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't use that expression. I use the expression target client. And it's not wordsmithing. It's a totally different concept. When we talk about ideal client. What it says is if all the stars were to align, this is the kind of business we'd love to have. It's like a lottery ticket, a one in a billion chance. Mm -hmm. But a target client says, this is who will perceive meaningful value in what we offer. And every business development minute should be spent in the pursuit of those types of opportunities. So do you think our audience likes free things? I would say most people do. Everybody loves free things. Well, I've got a worksheet you can download and I got a tough URL, targetclientprofile.com. If you go there, you can download this nine component worksheet that will help you to have laser focus on the right opportunities who will perceive meaningful value in what you offer. You know, a second takeaway mm -hmm. from that was that price is not the primary decision factor when buying. People will pay more for what they perceive as meaningful value. We often talk about in sales, value. We put, forget to put that word meaningful in there. And that means you understand the person that you're selling to so that you can create a meaningful experience. And so if you put all this together, this turned into two books, Sales Differentiation and Sell Different, which is strategies to differentiate what you sell and how you sell. You know, that's, it, it sounds so simple, but it's, uh, it's not, I'm sure. And targetclientprofile.com. You got it. And you can download a worksheet that'll help you figure out how to target the right client. It's all, you know, people search for clients all the time. They waste a lot of energy, a lot of time and a lot of money on going after, um, individuals and companies that they don't stand a chance, so to speak. They don't stand a chance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the big reasons why the price issue comes up is you're going after people who don't perceive meaningful value in what you're offering. If I had spent my summer chasing people who work locally, didn't get dressed up for work or had someone at home that could take the dry cleaning mm -hmm. to and fro, I wouldn't have sold anything. I would have tanked the business. But once we gained that clarity, we said, this is where we fit. This is who's going to perceive meaningful value. We didn't have an issue with pricing. People I were signed, lined up to take advantage of that service. We actually wound up hiring two other drivers. Right. And it has to do a lot with convenience, too, because that's one of the things you were offering. Um, you know, the your clients had more free time, less time spent going back and forth and, and uh, extra mileage, which nowadays would be really important. Um, yeah, but people they had money. They didn't time. have time. That was, mm -hmm. that was the challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They value their time even more in today's world. Absolutely. Yes. So, um, one of the questions that I saw, um, that I wanted to ask was your new book is titled sell different, sure. correct? It so is. the obvious question is what is different about sell different? Marty, is that really a nice question? Put me on the spot just as we're getting started. Is that really a fair question? Yes, it is. Of course it is. Hey, salespeople, <laughs> if you're watching this, whether buyers ask you that point blank or not, that's the huge question on their mind every time they meet with a salesperson. They want to know what's different. Yeah. And if you can't articulate it, if you can't demonstrate it, price is going to win the day. So what's different about sell different? Well, so, several things. One is sales has never been tougher than it is today. 
competitions, fierce differences in features and functions have become mm-hmm. so narrow when you when, from one provider to the next. Mm-hmm. And it's more challenging than ever for salespeople to differentiate what they're selling. But at the same time, sales managers aren't saying, hey, salespeople, I know stuff out there. Go ahead and, and sell the deal at 50 lower margin points. We're going to lower your goal by 40%. Nobody's doing that. No. They're still saying you got to win deals and at high rates and protect margins while doing so. Or as I trademarked, win more deals at the prices you want. So how do you do that? How do you win deals at high rates and high margins when differences in what you're selling are so slight? You have to sell different, which means looking at every touch point in the buyer-seller relationship and identifying ways to outsmart, outmaneuver, and outsell the competition. And that's exactly what this book helps you do. Everything from how you generate leads or referrals, how you handle discovery meetings, how you sell virtually. You know, Marty, there wasn't going to be a chapter on virtual selling in the book, but then this little thing happened. What's it called again? Oh, yeah, the pandemic. Oh, yeah. We need a virtual selling chapter in there. Uh, how to deal with the ultimate deal killer, fear of change, and, and much, much more. Mm-hmm. So the focus of Sell Different is providing you with strategies and techniques to win more deals the prices you want during fiercely competitive times. And each of the 15 chapters presents strategies that regardless of what you're selling or to whom you're selling, will help you win more deals the prices you want with step-by-step instructions on how to implement each strategy. Well, when I began the editing process with this, I took the manuscript and I sent it to a bunch of my clients, salespeople, executives. I said, I'm not looking for you to critique grammar or any of that. Here's what I want to know. What could you not implement based on reading it? And what did I not address that you would expect the book of this subject to address? So we tighten this up. You, you can read each one of those chapters mm-hmm. and implement it yourself. You don't need, it's not, a lot of times you read a book, you go, boy, this is great. We can't implement it unless we spend tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars with the author. Not true with this book. You can read a chapter, go, I get it, and put it into practice immediately. So it's like a, almost like a guide. It is a guide. Yes, it's, it is. Absolutely. I'm giving you the recipe to differentiate the way you sell. So I built, so in sales differentiation, the first half of the book is differentiating what you sell. The second half is differentiating how you sell. And then in sell different, I've got a whole separate new set of 15 strategies that I didn't address in the prior one. And by the way, um, our our viewers can go to Mm selldifferencebook.com, selldifferencebook.com, and they can download the first chapter free. Uh Aha, yes. It's available in print and audiobook. So you can even download the first chapter in audio if you prefer that medium. Selldifferentbook.com. You got it. And if you wind up buying the book, wherever you do, Mm -hmm. go back to selldifferentbook.com and sign up for the video series that goes along with it. Every week for a year, you'll get an email with a link to a video to help you implement the strategies that you've read about. Interesting. Interesting. So you're really giving people actionable tips and ideas that they can. With lots of stories. I I fundamentally hate reading and I refuse to write a book that I personally wouldn't read. Hey, that's a good way to look at it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not an avid reader. I love reading articles, uh, magazines, things like that, that you can, that you can gain something from and then move on. Exactly. Hmm. absolutely i read i just don't enjoy it <laughs> well there you I go i have to read 
the only way to stay relevant something right absolutely yeah yeah i can understand that that's that's me too um i was looking through some of the things that you've done previously and and a couple of things really hit my mind uh i wanted to touch on a few points the first one is i read staying away from the using the word best yes now why is that so is this is fun so when i take the stage at a keynote in one of my my keynote talks i start by letting the audience know why i was selected to address them which is because i'm the best sales consultant in the world (laughs) and they start laughing so that's not funny and then i ask them to write down three adjectives to describe me based on my introduction to them as the best sales consultant in the world and as you can imagine the descriptors are cocky arrogant full of himself no none of those are positive descriptors nope. and then i flip it back to them why do they think their prospects and clients feel any different about differently about them than they feel about me at this moment when they come marching in saying my product my service my company is the best they don't they feel exactly the same way And the issue with the word best is we can't prove it. I can't prove that I'm the best sales consultant in the world. And most salespeople can't prove what they're selling is the best. So why go there? All we do is tarnish the relationship unnecessarily right in the first few moments. And I did discover, though, there is one person in the world who can say best and have it be meaningful. You know the person's name, Marty? I have... uh... I have a feeling, but uh, you tell me. Your client. When your client says you're the best, that's meaningful. That's how you get referrals. Mm -hmm. That's why they serve as a reference for you. But that's not fair. Why do they get to say it? We can't state in sales. Well, there's actually two reasons. One is they bought from you, had an outstanding experience, and they don't get a commission check. So they have credibility that we don't. But if you think about Amazon, Every item on Amazon has a glowing description from the manufacturer, doesn't it? This is the best thing ever. Oh, yes. But Marty, when you buy on Amazon, does that manufacturer's description, is that what leads you to buy? No. What do you do? Uh, I'm looking for something that I'm familiar with or that's tested or that uh, someone else, here you go, someone else has recommended because they actually used it. You read reviews, Mm -hmm. feedback from total strangers impacts your decision to buy. Great reviews, yeah, you go ahead and put it in your shopping cart. Mediocre or poor reviews, you keep shopping. Right, right. So when we talk about that word best, when we in sales say it, it means nothing. But when others say it about us, it means everything. Yeah. So we've got to get out of the business of using that word best and position different in a meaningful way so that our prospects and clients see that our solution is the best without us ever saying the word. Wow. That that makes so much sense. But I mean, (laughs) it's it's just so practical. You know, um, I have a a dear friend who's a consultant and he says that the the best best thing you can hear is when your words come out of somebody else's mouth. (laughs) Amen. Amen. You know, there's there's another word like that. Like when you were introducing me, I'm a sales manager and strategist. Uh I specialize in, Mm -hmm. I hate when people use the word expert to describe themselves. Well, who says you're an expert? Right. That's for other people to say about you. Mm -hmm. You don't say that about yourself. Mm -hmm. 
I've right. If you think about if, about being an expert, yeah, most yeah, of them are I mean, not good. <laughs> right. So Marty, imagine you and I meet and you say, so what do you do? And I say, I'm a sales management expert. You're not saying, oh, yippee, this guy's fantastic. Like, well, who said that? This guy thinks <laughs> a lot of himself, guy? doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. And the same holds true in sales. We have to be mindful that when we're selling, you know, our, our tools are our words. Mm-hmm. And one wrong word can completely turn someone off and you never recover. And you won't even know that you use the word erroneously or in a way that turns someone off. Yeah. Same is true in the affirmative. You use a certain word and they just eat it up. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what else you say, they're going to buy from you. Mm-hmm. So, so, such great tips here. Um, so I had two other things here. Uh, tips on creating meaningful value. Mm-hmm. Would you like to touch on that for a moment? So I I mentioned before that the key to understanding meaningful is to really understand the people that you're selling to. Mm -hmm. You can't create meaningful value if you don't understand the CIO or the CFO or the director of product development, the head of whoever it is that you're selling to. If you don't understand them as people. What's keeping them up at night? What are their goals, objectives, challenges? What are they seeking to accomplish? Forget what you're selling for a moment. Understand them as people in those respective roles. And then once you do that, you then align what you're selling with those aspects, right? So imagine you make a list. Here's everything that's keeping them up at night, their goals, challenges, objectives. Which ones can we help them with? Can't help them with all of them. Like, for example, one of their goals is to get promoted. Okay, well, maybe we can't help them get promoted, so we won't talk about that. But there are other things that we align with. Mm -hmm. And when we look at entry points into organizations, one of the things that we want to do is align with where we have the most meaningful value. So when you understand what I call decision influencers, those refer to anyone and everyone who affects the decision to buy what you're selling. And so going through that exercise I just described for each one of them, And then understanding who would be most excited, most passionate about what we offer. That should be the entry point that you go after for these opportunities. Because there are some in the organization, yeah, we can do this, do that. They're not going to get overly excited or interested in this. Well, let's not waste time trying to go after them because they're never going to get excited about. Let's go after those who can get excited. And it all starts with, again, if you use that word meaningful, super important, meaningful means you understand the individual. Beautiful, beautiful. Here's another one for you, okay? Okay, I got my bat. I'm ready to see if I can hit it. (laughs) (laughs) The one top skill salespeople master. Ah, The Ah. art of query, questions. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. If you talk to most people in sales, some point in their life, someone told them they should be in sales. And when you ask them why, it's because they're a great talker. People who are not in sales say, if you've got the gift of gab, you should be in sales. The sales (laughs) management says the most critical skill is listening. And I disagree with both groups. I think the most critical sales skill is asking thoughtful, insightful questions. Let's flip the equation around. Mm -hmm. We ask thoughtful, insightful questions so there's something meaningful to listen to, and then we can share information appropriately. And if you think about the way people want to be communicated with, they don't want to be lectured. It's like, it's the worst communication medium. 
right? Even kids don't want to be lectured. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the mistakes we often make in sales is we go to lecture mode. We just want to tell them all this stuff. And it's just like a big wind hitting them in the face. <laughs> yeah. No engagement. So the art that I'm referring to is asking thoughtful, insightful questions to help them think differently about the solutions they have or could have. And if you can master that, because you ask questions in such a way, you lead people down a path so they see what you see. Like if you look at the legal profession, attorneys don't testify. They specialize in asking questions in a way to paint a picture for the decision-making group, the jury. Mm-hmm. So they see exactly what the attorney wants them to see. If you've been to a psychiatrist or a psychologist, you know, they don't give you the answers. Mm-mm. They ask you questions, lead you down the path. And so you see exactly what they see. And that's what we need to master in sales. Yeah. Help them find it out for themselves. Absolutely. Much more power. Like you said before, if you can get them to say it without you saying it much more powerful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, these are, these are, they, on the surface, all of this seems rather obvious, but I, we know it's Doesn't not. It, it's, it does it's seem not. that way, but we know it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Like asking. You know, Marty, I used to think I knew where the line, where common sense was, and then someone will do something and I see the line completely disappear. <laughs> so you're, none of what I've talked about here today, what I put in the category of complicated or complex, Right. It's very simple. Once once you hear it, you go, duh, I should be doing that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you need someone to help you to see that and then you can run with it. Right. Hmm. Sales psychologist. There you go. <laughs> we'll, we'll add that to the business card too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> add that to your, your t- many talents, Lee. Um, okay. I want to shift focus here for a minute because we're talking yeah. about uh, sell differently and staying away from certain words and Uh creating meaningful value and asking thoughtful questions. So now let's talk for a few minutes about your speaking at universities. Uh, We chatted about this before. And I mean, four of the schools that immediately popped into your head were University of Minnesota, great program, Central Michigan, wonderful instructors, Kansas State, just a rock star director, uh, University of Virginia Darden School of Business. Uh, we know how um, wonderful the folks are there. And all of these universities are putting out just top-notch future salespeople. So what do you, do you have a, like a, a central topic for speaking to all the students or does it depend on what it is the professor's looking for? Actually, what, what's, what the professors have done is they've added sales differentiation and sell difference to their curriculum, required reading for the class. Wow. And then I joined for a Q&A. Oh, kind so, of follow-up, yeah. So it's completely ad hoc, and they can ask me anything that's from the book, um, interviewing strategies for a job or, or an internship. Okay. So it really is open to them. And it's a lot of fun. We do it for about an hour. That's interesting. Yeah. Do you and, find that the students have trouble speaking out and asking the questions? Or I, I know once upon a time that used to be a real challenge for a lot of folks that were speaking in person. And I know that more than likely most of your visits have been virtual. 
Um, do you find they have trouble speaking up? I don't. And I think one of the things that helps is I have three kids around that age. I have two in college. One just graduated from college. So I, I have an understanding that. So we make these sessions fun. We're joking around. We keep it light. This is not me sitting there all formally, you know, with a bow tie and, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're going to talk about sales today. You know, I make it a fun experience and tell lots of stories as I'm answering their questions. Mm -hmm. Oh, the art of storytelling. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Spoke. Uh, we spoke on that a couple of times back when I first started these uh, podcasts. As a matter of fact, um, some of the folks that are well known for their storytelling skills were the ones that said SEF should have a podcast. I'm like, <laughs> OK. Um, and they're right. Well, they, they were right. You know, uh, um, you have a story to tell. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And, and it's Wonderful growing. Story. Oh, thank you. It's growing like crazy. It really is. So when you speak at universities, it's more of a Q&A and you just leave it open to whatever the students want to ask. It doesn't have to be book related. Yep. Um, yeah, that's I've also that's done programs. I've also done programs like with Kansas State where, um, you know, when, when these sales teams are competing, mm -hmm. you know, those competitions are not real life selling. Right. right? We all know that. Right. So I'll do debrief sessions with, with the team and say, okay, so this is what you went through in the competition. Let me take this and put this into real life for you. If this was a real situation, for example, um, there's an investment group I won't name. Uh, they sponsor one of these. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in this, in the uh, competition, in something like 10 minutes, you're supposed to get someone to commit to investing with you. Well, that's not going to happen in 10 minutes. So I'm, right. here, here's all my wealth in 10 minutes, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. But so I, I have the conversation with them of, again, we talked about meaningful value, right? Understanding the people on the other side of the desk. What are they feeling before they ever sit down with you? And one of the things I talk a lot about with sales, uh, salespeople is, you know, when you think of discovery, right? Everybody knows that that's the foundation of the deal. If discovery is weak, the deal is weak. And one of the most accepted premises in sales is that people buy based on emotion and justify their decision with logic. And for some reason, I don't know the answer to this. Most salespeople get into discovery and completely forget that premise. Find a salesperson who hasn't heard that. Yeah. Everybody's heard that, but yeah. they don't use it in discovery. But if you think about it, take that investment example. There's a way that people feel about the issues you address before you ever walk in the door. And there's a way we want them to feel about the issues we address as we leave. Mm -hmm. Well, what are those emotions? Why do they feel that way? And then discovery is the bridge that takes you from here's how they felt when I walked in the door and here's how I want them to feel afterwards. Great. great and again, that's not something analogy. that they, that they, they don't get that exposure uh, in, in the competition setting, it's much more, right. um, what's the word that I'm looking for? What, of a, of a stoic, yes. right? Yes. Much uh, more mechanical. Mechanical. That's, that's the word mechanical. Um, I've had the of, uh, being part of a couple of competitions and judging in preliminary rounds and, uh, mechanical. That's, that's actually the word I was searching for because the, the student that can, do something here's the word differently 
Yeah, there you go. Yeah, is usually the one that catches the judge's eyes. And, Absolutely. and also the, the mock buyer who recognizes that this particular student or students is approaching things a little differently. Absolutely. Sell different. The herd. <laughs> I know. That's what I That's my theme. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it, uh, it obviously works. Yes, obviously it does. Works. Yeah. Um, I think we have a few minutes here and mm -hmm. I, I find myself very interesting, interested in um, something about you that is not part of sell or sell different or sales okay. differentiation. I think you know where I'm headed. I'm talking about your success in competitive powerlifting. Ah, yes. Now, in the that, bench press. Yes. In the bench press. And that intrigues me. Um, I, I have something that said that you had to overcome a lot of challenges and that in many ways, um, did you, um, well, this is a question here. Did you apply what you already knew in sales to overcoming those challenges or, and, or did the challenges make you realize some different things about sales? It went both ways. Went okay. both ways. All right. Um, so I've been competing in, in the bench press since 2000. And about four years ago on New Year's Eve day, I'm training in the gym mm -hmm. and I'm on track to set state records. All right. Without warning, I completely ruptured my left tricep. Oh. I was in the middle of an exercise. Oh, popped. goodness. Yeah. And it's one of those injuries where I'd never done it before, but I knew what I did. Like I called my wife saying, I'm driving to the emergency room. I just ruptured my tricep. Mm. And I could see in my elbow, I mean, pulled up about a golf size, you know, blood and, and all this stuff. And um, it was interesting because it's New Year's Eve day. And you can't get an MRI done. Nobody's really working. Right. The next day is New Year's Day. Nobody's working. Yeah. On the second, I had to get on a plane and deliver a three-day sales differentiation program for a client. And while I was there, from my shoulder to my fingertips, my entire arm turned purple. Ooh. Now, that was concerning. Mm -hmm. And I was able to reach out to my doctor. And the reason I had a doctor is a few years earlier, my youngest son, David, um, had gotten hurt playing basketball and had knee surgery. And this doctor was just absolutely fantastic. As a matter of fact, when I was sitting in the, in the waiting room, I sent him a text saying, I think you just got a new patient. And uh, he told me I was done with powerlifting forever, Oh, which... Um, it's not just a physical thing when you've been working out oh, like no. I have since a junior, my junior year of high school, it's when I started to say that I can't do that at that level anymore. That's bad. That was a, that wasn't a physical thing. That was a mental thing. Right. Emotional. Yeah. And quite frankly, one of the things that really helped me to get through that was what my son David had gone through. Um, when he got hurt, he was told, uh, so he had what's called an avulsion fracture, um, which instead of tearing your ACL, the ACL rips off a piece of bone. So it comes from the, from the end. And uh, he's a pitcher. He actually pitches in college now. Um, so this happened in, in January in the eighth grade. And he was going to be playing high school baseball in the spring. And they said, that's not happening. You're, if you're lucky, 
If you're lucky, you'll get to play in the fall. That was unacceptable to him. He went to task and, and through physical therapy and stuff, he was playing baseball in the spring. Yeah, he was determined. He was determined. Mm -hmm. And that helped me to get through that as well. Doctor may have said I was done forever, but I refuse to believe that. <laughs> and in 2021, I came back and won the Minnesota State Bench Press Championships. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, not bad for a 53 year old, right? Not bad at all. No, but, uh, you know, perseverance. Uh, I'm a firm believer in perseverance. I have personal Amen. stories as well, but uh, we won't go there today because this is all about lease halls and selling and, and, and <laughs> journeys and experiences and, and all of the, the good things. But, uh, but yeah. But you, you touched upon, you asked me a question before about, did that help me with sales or it was the other way around? Yes. And, you know, the mental side of, of selling is so important. I'll give you an example. Just from yesterday, my older son also plays college baseball. And we're at his game, and, uh, and, and there was a rain delay. So I'm talking to him by the concession stand. He goes, Dad, man, that, that bat just feels heavy today. It's the same bat he always uses. <laughs> and it's like, okay. And I'm thinking, okay, this is not going to be a good day if that's what's in his head. Right. Marty, he used a different bat after the rain delay. Ah. He just missed hitting two home runs. He got two doubles, and then he hit the home run. It's what you believe. Mm -hmm. If you believe today is a terrible day to sell, you're right. If you believe it's a great day to sell, you're right. Mm -hmm. You get to decide what kind of day you're going to have. The power of the mind, I mean, gosh, oh, how many books have been written on that? I mean, mm -hmm. I totally believe. In the, and the reason why David was able to get through his injury, I was able to get through mine, was the power of the mind. That if you believe, I don't have to listen to what the doctor said. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know what's inside me. I've actually know. used those words before. Those exact words. You don't know me. You, you, don't know. Know, you don't know what I'm capable of because to be honest with you, sometimes I don't know what I'm capable of. Boy. Well, that 19 true. years ago, I got, I herniated a disc in my neck and I was told I was done with the gym forever. Mm. And the doctor... <laughs> Marty, the doctor walked in looking at, at her at the folder. I told her to walk out, walk back in and say something else because you're clearly not looking at the fact that I'm in my 30s. I'm not in my 70s. There you go. There you go. And I have a feeling that if you had been in your 70s, you still would have persevered and, Absolutely. and found a way. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the, the P, and, and I don't care what you do in life, sales, not sales. Mm -hmm. If you can't get your head right, you're not going to be the best you can be no matter what it is. Boy, yeah. Now, so, uh, you know, I'm a firm believer in that almost everyone is involved in sales in some way. Uh, sell, you're selling a product, a service, your company, yourself, your experience, your, I mean, everybody's selling something in some way. And you can go all the way back to, to Robert Louis Stevenson to find quotes about sales and way beyond that. Um, yes. Yeah. It's, uh, you, you and what about our kids? What about our kids, Marty? Yeah. They're the best salespeople trying to <laughs> sell mom and dad. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> I actually have two granddaughters that I'm going to visit this weekend. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see what they've learned as far as, uh, yeah. They, they, they can sell. sell, I assure you. 
Well, you know what, Lee? This has just been uh, wonderful. I actually lost track of time, which I think is great. Oh, my gosh. Look at that. No, I think it's great. You know, when you when you have a conversation with someone and you stop thinking about the barriers and you just start enjoying the interaction, uh, that's when you know it's great. That's when Indeed. you know it's great. This was great fun, Marty. Thank you. Oh, it's wonderful. So to recap, um, there is a worksheet that you're telling people to go and look at called targetclientprofile.com is where you can find it. And then if you go to selldifferentbook.com, you can download the first chapter for free. And of course, if you're really interested, you can get Lee's book uh, on Kindle and audiobooks through retailers and top websites like Amazon. And Lee is willing to help everyone and anyone uh, through their challenges, what, what they're going through, and especially any professors listening out there today. Um, I heard from one uh, colleague of ours at Central Michigan. I'll drop his name, Dr. Jeff Hoyle. Um, he had rave reviews about the way Lee uh, interacted with his students. And, you know, the thing about sales is we we sometimes forget that there are a lot of people out there who have gone before, who've been highly successful, and they do have stories to tell and ways to help others get through their day. And uh, so well, Marty, I guess, if I could, if I could add, yes, I absolutely love working with, with the college kids. Yeah. I don't. So, you know, the things that you were talking about, my work with that, I don't charge the the uh, universities for, for the speaking. You know, that's beautiful. that's my way of giving back to the sales community. Beautiful, beautiful. So if you're yeah. a college professor that's uh, that's interested in this, uh, reach out to me. I'd be happy to have a conversation with you. Would love to help your students pursue a career in sales. And the easiest way to find Lee is just uh, go on LinkedIn and, and uh, that way you can read a lot of his posts and and find out how to contact him. Um, I know that Lee's always very receptive because uh, our, our advisory board members, they basically have to be because we call on them. <laughs> absolutely. All right, Lee, listen, this was absolutely fabulous. Um, thank, thank you, you again so much. And I hope you have a great rest of your week. You too. Thanks, Marty. Thanks.